A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl, and this is episode 61, and our third and final, for now at least, episode featuring contributors to Experiment O. Uh, thanks for tuning in once more. I'm I'm still in my apartment. It's still actually June the 11th, but uh, I've decided to uh, split the episode so that we don't have too much in one, and we'll probably put this up later on in June. For this last episode on Experiment O, I thought I would also talk a bit about some of the other work featured in the magazine by highlighting the work of one contributor per issue. Issue 1 featured the poetry and collages of Camille Martin, who I subsequently interviewed for the Angel House Press essay series in 2012, and I'll include that link. I met Camille at her tree reading series reading in 2008 and enjoyed her poetry. I don't really remember how I found out about her collage making, but uh, tune in to, um, or at least go go take a look at that essay on the angelhousepress.com site. So five of Camille's collages were published in this issue along with her poetry. Her collage making comes in part from synesthesia, which she and I share, her music background, and her work with media such as photographs. One of the most striking collages for me in issue one was that of an illustration of a little girl placed on top of a moonscape across from a giant letter, both letter R. Both the R and the girl are clothed in red-orange. In the essay that I quoted, Camille wrote, I don't usually follow rules or constraints when I'm making collages, though I do sometimes limit the color palette to give the whole more in- inner coherence. I try various juxtapositions until I can feel a spark of attraction among the images, and play with different uses of space to give that attraction free reign to show me what it me- wants to say. It does often feel as though I'm a conduit who facilitates the dramas that reveal themselves in the collages. I was really, I really appreciated having her work in the issue. Local photographer Caroline Gomersall's striking photos of open sky and other distorted scenes through broken glass excited me as soon as I saw them, and I asked for them for the second issue. There's an otherworldly quality to them. One in particular shows glass dividing a murky alien green background. There are stories in those photographs. I hope you'll go back now and take a look at some of these uh, and more in the, in, the, in the issues. Issue 3 features a story by John Lavery entitled Small Wonder. He read the work, or a version of it, at Tree many years ago at the Tree Reading Series, and it was published in his second short story collection, You Kwasniewski, You Piss Me Off, which came out with ECW Press in 2004. I asked him if I could have it for Experiment O, and he agreed. I adored John and was a huge fan of his writing and of him. He played with language in a way that I've never experienced before, inventing hilarious onomatopoeic words and indulging in extreme punnery, one of my favorites. His range of knowledge was exceptional. He seemed to be skilled at everything he did, including music, having put out a CD entitled Dignity before he died in 2011. He kindly let me interview him for Ottawater.com in 2010 for the 2011 issue, and I also wrote an essay in the same issue about his linguistic pyrotechnics. I still miss him, and I'm very grateful that his work is part of Experimento. For issue four, I invited Ottawa poet Jamie Bradley to curate. 
He included the minimalist visual poetry of Hungarian artist Marton Kopányi. I love the restraint showed in this work and how much it communicates. Martin first sent me work for nationalpoetrymonth.ca, I believe in 2010, and I've had the pleasure of publishing his work and communicating with him over email several times. Issue five's highlight for me, well, one of many, they're all highlights really, but that I'm talking about now, is the work of Gatineau artist Michel Provost. It combines the craft of embroidery with text. I must have met Michelle many years ago now. It was clear to me that we were kindreds, and her work excited me because of her wild imagination, sense of humor, whimsy, her energy, and, and skill. When we, when we meet to have tea, we can talk for hours. I consider a lot of the work that she has done as visual poetry, and I enjoy the way it dances the line between art and visual poetry. Issue 5 also features the work of Bill DeMichel, American writer and artist who died last year. We must have swam in the same circles. He kindly invited me to sub work to submit work to his wonderful visible blog, Tip of the Knife, with its slogan, Draw Blood or Go Home. He played in many different forms, was a delight to engage with. For this issue, he gave me some dreamy, experimental prose. Carlisle Baker sent me work for issue six, which I was very glad to publish. For these pieces, he worked with rubbings, a semic stencil type and drawing implements to create free jazz, mixed code, and other wondrous and imaginative visual poetry. I didn't have the pleasure of meeting the Peterborough, Ontario artist until recently at an exhibit of visual poetry in Toronto. He's, he goes by many variations of Carlisle Baker and continues to make intriguing work. For issue seven, I received an excerpt from a collaborative work by A. Rawlings and Sachiko Murakami, two poets whose work I have admired for many years. I was pleased to publish their echo poetic and sensual work. I have long been intrigued with the work of Japanese illustrator, poet, photographer, and collage artist Hiromi Suzuki. In 2019, Angel House Press published her accomplished and beautiful chapbook Andante. In issue eight, Hiromi plays with shadows and light, distance, and white space. Sasha Archer was someone who I didn't meet in person until the recent visual poetry exhibit in Toronto, but we'd also been swimming in the same circles for years. I admire what he does with his press, Simulacrum Press, and his playful experiments with language, sound, and motion. He is another kindred, whimsical friend. For issue nine, he sent me an experimental text that uses the disruption of autocorrect as an engine. I like this man's mind. I read about Alberta... Alberta artist Candace Makowichuk's series of photographs of Edmonton cemeteries, many of which were printed in blue cenotype. The work is a study in mourning of death and the celebration of life. Here is an example where I had no connection to the artist and simply sent her an email asking if I could publish her work in issue 10. I do this fairly often, and often I receive affirmative responses. I'm really grateful artists are very generous with their work. I think I saw some of German artist Inez Seidel's powerful book alterations on Facebook. I was so relieved when she agreed to let me have some for Experimental's 11th issue. From her site, she writes, books, news, objects, identities, all are in the process of transforming. What you see is just an intermediate state. Word becomes matter. A linear sentence turns into tangible three-dimensional form. A story disintegrates, spawns, and transcends itself. Stories are my material. Transforming them is my task. 
Rizikra Revolva is someone I first encountered only a few years ago. Was the first time at Versefest's Ottawa's annual poetry festival, or was it before? I'm not sure. She does a lot of really out-of-the-box creative things. For Versefest, she read poetry using loops and sound effects to evoke an undersea atmosphere. Her reverse ekphrastics, visual poems and illustrations in issue 12, are yet another example of boundless creativity and imagination. I am a great admirer. And now here's something only those of you who listen to this podcast will find out about right now. Issue 13 will be published in November and December. I'm not going to reveal all the contributors, but I'll reward you for close listening. Uh, one of the uh, people who will be in the issue is uh, someone who goes by FLEPP, F-F-L-E-P-P. Fluff's work I saw in the latest issue of PSW's To Call magazine, which is a great magazine published in Germany that uses a mimeograph machine and publishes all kinds of interesting concrete poetry. I was thrilled by a piece in the latest issue which had to do with sound and music that depicted notes tumbling to the bottom of a page, and I sought more work by the artist who has kindly agreed to let me publish some of it in the next issue. Wait until you see that and all of the other ones. Obviously, I haven't talked about the work of everyone in all 12 issues. I just wanted to give you the flavor of the magazine. Please visit experimento.com for the full meal. I say, I write, that Experiment O celebrates the art of risk. I believe that everyone who contributes is taking a risk in some way, whether their work doesn't fit into a mainstream genre, or they are writing about something personal that leaves them vulnerable, whether they are attempting to subvert a literary or artistic canon, or just playing for the sake of it. I appreciate every person who is willing to send their work for consideration to Experiment O and every contributor we've published. Sharing such work isn't easy. I appreciate those of you who read the publication. I hope it inspires more play, more risk, and more subversion of convention. Our readers in this episode are Volodymyr Bilic, Joel Chase, Marco Giovanelli, Pearl Peary, James Sanders, and Stephen Venright. Steve Venright. Our first reader is Volodymyr Bilic. Volodymyr is a poet from Ukraine who writes in English, so he's basically from another dimension or parts unknown. Long story short, he follows Ezra Pound's Make It You new and considers Fink Perry's song Do It to be quite an adequate description of his artistic intentions. The second edition of his poetry collection, Road Rage, is available at Zimzala, and we'll include a link to that. Vladimir was in issue seven of Experimental. A oil elk. Lovely daisy flavor shadow fragile from fetch. La 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 la, you two type type of fuku. Chicky no no no. Ha! Ha! beep chug tart rickets. Ever roving eye, Jimmy's Vuelco. I go, I go. Our next reader is Joel Chase. Joel has published work in print and electronic magazines such as The Tip of the Knife, Counterexample, Poetics, Horatio, Autoliths, Infinity's Kitchen, and Jacket. Most recent collections include Sharpsburg from Psy Geist Press, Blake's Tree from Blue and Yellow Dog Press, Whole Cloth from Aventacular Press, Red Power from Quarter After Press, Kenzos from Knives, Forks and Spoons Press, Web 2 from Toner Works War and After from Blaze Books, Vox Books, Scorpion from Unlikely Books, Humors from Paloma Press, and Threnodides, Threnodides from Mor Moria Books. Joel was in issue 9 of Experiment O. Please welcome Joel Chase. I'd like to thank the wonderful Amanda Earle for this opportunity. Amanda, thank you for all that you do. 
I'm going to feature a poem that's the last poem in a collection entitled Matter, No Matter from Paper Kite Press. Um, the book deals with uh, issues and questions regarding materiality and non-materiality. The first poem in the collection is entitled Matter, and the poem I'm featuring is the last <clears throat> poem entitled No Matter. <clears throat> um, by way of uh, just a further introduction to No Matter, uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit and read the much shorter uh, poem entitled Matter. S-T-O-N-E-S. -E when the letters are stones, dragged, placed, abandoned. S-N-O-W, when the letters are snow, packed, curved, left. Y-E-L-L-O-W, C-H-A-L-K, when the letters are yellow chalk, up on the blackboard. G-R-E-E-N, G-R-A-S-S, when the letters are green grass, woven, placed in shade, B-A-T, when it brushes arm hair in the cave's deepest black, G-A-S-H, when the glass slivers bubble up from the trench of blood. And now, no matter. Is this right then? We put all our ducks in a row all our ducks of the underword, all made of quarks, which are or are not matter, but certainly are not meaning. Though the ducks mean, as we line the ducks up, they make a surface, a surface of water. Surface and water that are not, do not matter, but do mean. The matter, then, cannot mean. The meaning is nothing. But we keep on lining up the ducks. Beneath the surface of water is depth. The more ducks, the more depth. And dark, and murk. All of which is no matter. No matter. Not matter. But is dark, murk, and deep. Story layered upon story, stories without matter, but with meaning. How is it possible to live like this, to make stories that mean, but are no matter? Thank you. Marco Giovanelli, alias Differex, lives in Rome, where he works as an editor and translator, also teaching history of Italian poetry and experimental writing in a poetry center he contributed to establish. He's the founder and editor of GAM.org, online since 2006, and the scemicnet.blogspot.com since 2011. Linear texting, English in the books. A Gunless T, Ducey uh, 2007, CDK, Tiro Pigeon 2009, Anachronisms, Asata Press 2014, White Wild, Gauss PDF 2014, and he's also an acemic writer. His main site is slowforward.net, and we'll include all of these links uh, to the show notes. Marco was in issue four. Please welcome Marco Giovanelle. Here it was. I wanted it to be well understood. The old traveler said, 
to the young waitress. If only I was twenty, was seventy, was carrying in a heap of forks. Forks are good to travelers. Taped AM. Mad at you, since it's in one's DNA to decide not to show that much of one's anger. The garden was so bright. Silence, I presume, did not drip down from the sun. It's cold as it rains. She wears a depressing shadow. Under her red lead cloak, loops of time revolve. They invented it yesterday. She doesn't find clue. My fingers, I took a look at them while typing. Once, well, I felt a gap in time, so they didn't seem to me like actually belonging to me. There's something weird or a pure delay all around. I thought it was the shiny screen. One must always find a cause. Must unravel it. It's all on my side. Begging something. Always fix the issues that occur. The boomerang question time. The hits of the day. Stay tuned. Pray. The joy will last forever. Our next reader is Pearl Peary. Pearl's fourth collection, Footlights, comes in the fall 2020 from Radiant Press. Her newest chapbook is Not Quite Dawn, Edition des Petits Nuages, uh, which came out in March 2020. Her epistle Haibun chapbook, Water Loves Its Bridges, Letters to the Dead, is due out in 2020, December 2020 from the Alfred Gustave Press by subscription. And I'll also include her website, pearlpiri.com. We published Pearl's chapbook, Over My Dead Corpus, many years ago now, and it's, it's of course, it's been sold out for a long time. Pearl was in issue one of Experiment O. Please welcome Pearl Piri. Hi, this is Pearl Piri. Thanks, Amanda, for inviting me in to share a poem with your listeners. And the poem is new. I'm not sure if it's done. Maybe one of you or all of you can let me know. It's called Calculating. We measure life by millimeters or by feelings of fullness. Or is that dullness? Satisfaction and stillness is contentment. An overloaded shutdown of information or calories or energy depletion. Walking the forest trail, turning onto Sarah's trail, I had Nunkavu. Years wiped away, no sense of north or known. I bet if the trees were text, I'd find them and their leaf galls illegible. I've been stranded before, struck illiterate for hours, orphaned by memory. So, senses can get overwhelmed, not only by crowds, lights, ambient 80 decibels, but by fatigue from sustained concentration, by a focus I thought I could never regain, but did. Yesterday's sleep didn't restock me. Inside my brain case are early COVID aisles, neurons like East German grocers. The demand to think at no steady rate so you can predict when to replace, complicates, spurts to the supply chain of energies. I'm bottlenecked with a surfeit of words, then none. But it's not my job alone. The red squirrel has many words for me. He bounces his back legs, then vibrates to his front, goes out on a literal limb, 
uses his weight to cantilever a shake, while Jays pretend to be innocuous, indifferent. Five of them around me tossing leaves, looking for food, but I hear them call others. I'm the talk of the knot town. The woodpecker comes in to see. The chipmunk scolds too. Their words have regrounded me, and the ant who insists on my leg is a log, as a bridge. Thanks. Our next reader is James Sanders. He's a member of the Atlanta Poets Group, a writing and performing collective. He was included in the 2016 Best American Experimental Writing Anthology. His most recent book, Self-Portrait in Plants, was published in 2015. The University of New Orleans Press also recently published the group's and Atlanta Poets Group anthology, The Lattice Inside. James is reading from a visual poem that appeared in Experiment O, Issue 11. Please welcome James Sanders. All origin goes on, no something gold, working from falling forward and inwards, lip white and white into space, bring silence, railing sags, railing lip, lip, dark and dark, most understandably bringing closer the future for living, living up, leaks them off, me, glass off, right on the position, with me, meat and can, by their things, lip, staring, screaming occasions, crowded out, and maybe common, maybe family, literally sags, side railing, relying their blip flurried days, profiles, lines from flip squibs. Our final reader is Steve Venwright. Steve is a visual artist and poet whose publications include Stranga Wunder, Tortoiseshell in Black, Spiral Agitator, Coach House Books 2000, Floors of Enduring Beauty, Mansfield Press 2007, and The Least You Can Do Is Be Magnificent, Selected in New Writings, Feed Dog Imprint of Anvil Press 2017. Through his Torpor Vigil Records label, he has released several albums by singer-composer Samuel Andreev and sleep talker Dion McGregor, and I'll give you a, li- a, link, a list of a link to all his links. Steve was in our first issue. Please welcome Steve Enright. Here is a segment from Manta Ray Jack and the Crew of the Spooner, uh, a nautical tale from my selected writings, The Least You Can Do is Be Magnificent. It's set primarily in a lighthouse, and this section is uh, about the return of the bird-like lighthouse keeper who's been off visiting his cousin, the kitehouse leaper, whatever that may be. It makes reference to Samuel Taylor Coleridge and his Kublai Khan. Just then, the keeper of the tower, a Mr. Albert Ross, flew in, soaked from the fetid weather and looking much like a tattered bird with wetted feather. He was back from the abode of his cousin Drew, who was billeting a dozen crew from a ship that had, soon after it was boarded, sunk, and with whom our lighthouse codger, as kitehouse lodger, was forced to share a sordid bunk, in company with a creaky old loser they'd found waving a gun around at Crapper's Tavern shortly after their leaky old cruiser had run aground at Trapper's Cavern. It was to that same tavern that Mr. Ross had repaired, after one last kite nap, for one last nightcap, before heading home to his luminous spire. But a single nightcap is such a scrawny bore, and before long the one had become a brawny score. The crapper's bartender, a spuminous liar but a frisky wench, poured out her hearts to him, she claimed to have been born with a pair, along with glass after glass of whiskey, French. Inspired by the Abyssinian barmaid's ruminating lies, for example, 
having once made porn with a bear, as well as the luminating rise, which she mixed with salt water and called sailor tea. He took a perky quill and some sort of quirky pill, then made like Samuel Taylor C., a man whose poetic notions, induced by noetic potions, were realized by scribbling while dreaming. But barely had his scribbling and dreaming begun when it was interrupted by the untimely intrusion of a wandering porlock wimp, whose sudden and startling appearance, he was dressed rather in the style of a warlock pimp, set the lighthouse keeper to dribbling and screaming. This boisterous oozing drew the attention of two daring shrinks who'd been sharing drinks and now invited him to join their oisterous boozing. The duo had attained a degree of fame while shucking, though their true expertise was in treating individuals who experienced shame while fornicating. By the time our Mr. Ross, eyes glazed as a dead hawk's, took his leave of the two head docks, the battered shells of clamorous oysters lay all about him, like the shattered bells of amorous cloisters. Now back atop his familiar perch, with a belly full of oisterous regret, he bursts through the lighthouse door like a roisterous egret. There you have it. Thanks to all the readers from this episode and from the previous two Experiment O episodes. Thanks to Charles for processing and Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro. And thanks to you for listening and sharing the podcast. Stay tuned for season five, which begins in July. Stay, stay as healthy as you can. And I hope everyone's coping okay with these unsettling times. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. <laughs>